Okay, I want to welcome all our campuses in today, all the way from Rotorua to the city, to Whangarei, to Kaitaia, and of course, West as well. Most of you all know that New Zealand Beyond Christchurch is taking place uh, just uh, about 10 days away, is it? Something like that now, June 6 and 7. As I was praying about it uh, during the week, about taking people down to Christchurch with me, I had the impression of 70 people. I know I'd said 50, but uh, that was before I prayed. So I just feel 70 is the number. And I remember that you know Jesus had the 70, he had the 12, then he had the 70, didn't he? And so we've got 55 already signed up to come, which is fantastic. I've told Christchurch we're bringing 70. <laughs> so uh, the sign-up form is at the information desk in the campuses. Uh, just let uh, the church office know down here, contact Sala. We'd love to hear from you. It'd be great to have someone from every campus. Let's do this together. And I'm hearing great reports that people are down in Christchurch are very excited one about the conference, but also especially about the night of prayer. There's a buzz in the city about the church coming together to pray. And that's a mandate we carry, isn't it? And really exciting. So, hey, come and join us. Come on mission with us. If you work it right, you only need one day's annual leave. That's all you need to take. Turn up by 7 o'clock on the Thursday night. It's on Friday, and then it's all over by Friday night. It's going to be a fantastic time, I'm sure of that. So leading up to that, we've got three days of prayer and fasting. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, campuses, Kaitai, Whangarei, you want to do more than that, five, six, seven days, up to you. Would love you to do that. But hey, three is the number, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, ending with our half night of prayer, uh, 7 to 11 p.m. Of course, we'll pray for the conference, we'll pray for personal breakthrough, pray for people to be saved, all kinds of things. So Hey, if you can come out for a half night of prayer, they are fantastic nights, seriously, and you really learn to develop your prayer muscle, yeah. which is the most important muscle that yeah, you can right. develop. Forget about the gym. I mean, go to the gym if you like, but hey, get those spiritual biceps going. So across campuses, come on, let's do the half night of prayer. It's going to be fantastic. All right. We've got a faith promise. We're going to be looking at faith promises today. You will have a form on your seat, so we're going to check out this clip before we get into the message. Expanding God's kingdom takes faith, prayer, people, and finances. Our faith promise offerings or mission offerings go solely to expanding God's kingdom outside the four walls of the church. They go into our communities, schools, neighborhoods, and international initiatives such as New Zealand and beyond, into other organizations like Rima Media, Open Heaven, and Bible in Schools. These offerings fuel Running With Fire TV, radio, and magazine, international conferences, and leadership seminars, church planting, and development projects that are designed to reach lost, broken, hurting people with the love of Jesus Christ. We call it Faith Promise Giving because it takes faith to go beyond tithing and give sacrificially. It's a spiritual practice of seeing God take our little and multiplying it. It's a promise because based on God's promise to provide for us, we give. Because we commit to investing in God's kingdom. If your heart longs to see lost people found, God's love to reach far beyond our local community, then engage with faith promise giving. Pray regularly 
and ask God to release that money through you. You'll be amazed and astounded in the ways God will provide. Great. So we're going to fill in those forms today across all our campuses. So as I'm speaking, you feel free to fill in the form and whatever figure God gives you, just add a naught to it. Naught's worth nothing. So, all right, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here in this place. And Holy Spirit, as we come once again to your word, Lord, would you let it be with power? Father, let it, would you let it bring transformation and change into our hearts? Lord, not just another message that goes in one ear and out the other and makes no change in our lives. Father, help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers and deceive ourselves. So Father, let your anointing and your spirit be upon every person that's uh, here and is viewing this video today. Father, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Wow, got something here. Who likes to look at this stuff? <laughs> Not bad, is it? Hey, got, can we get that on the screen nice and close there for all our, our viewers to see? Anybody here like, like the feel of this stuff? There's, there's a few of them here, and I've got more in my pocket as well. So we just want to talk a little bit about this, and uh, you're probably thinking, am I going to give this away? The answer is maybe. <laughs> so listen carefully. And I might ask a question about the sermon. If you get it right, I might give you some of this. <laughs> Sorry, campuses, you're not going to get the money, but hey, so glad that you're with us. And you have no problem with money anyway, I'm sure of that. If we can give me a timer, that would be great as well. Money, money, money. Who could do with a bit more? Oh, no one, so I'm not going to give any out today. Everyone's got, obviously, everyone's got plenty of it, haven't they? Who, uh, I'm sure some of you would like more. A lot of life boils down to money, doesn't it? You know, having enough money, what we go to work, 40, 60 hours a week, what for? Don't tell me for the love of the job. You do it for the money. <laughs> You might say, no, I just do it with the love of the job. Well, give me your money and you can just love your job. <laughs> I uh, did two degrees at university because I wanted to make a lot, lot of money. Uh, that plan didn't work. So I, I followed the call of God upon my life. But the amazing thing is, I reckon I've prospered more doing that than if I'd followed my two degrees. Interesting, isn't it? You will never, ever outgive God if you do it by biblical principles. And uh, we just need to understand that. And it's being called, you know, it's, it's a massive issue, isn't it, money? Yeah. Major reason for marriage breakups yeah. and many other social evils. Some people call it the, the root of evil. And, uh, but the Bible, this book here is the best money guide in the world. Yeah. All those books you've got on yourself on the shelf about making money, throw them away. Yeah. Just get this book out. Follow it carefully. Carefully, I said, all right. And you're going to find that it's going to work for you. Approximately two-thirds of Jesus' parables refer to money. And the Bible mentions money, would you believe, 2,085 times. More said about money than heaven, hell, faith, and love combined. 
Yeah. Salvation's only mentioned 205 times. Money, 2,085 times. Jesus could not stop talking about money. And churches actually need to preach a lot more on money. We don't, but we really should if we want to follow the example of Jesus. So why would uh, Jesus speak so much about money? Well, I want to give you two reasons to kick us off here. I think the first reason is, is this. You cannot, the Bible says, you cannot serve God and money. If money means too much to you, if you got excited when you saw this, it's going to be very hard for you to love God as much as he wants you to do, wants you to. You cannot love God and money. If it's an issue in your life, you've got to deal with it. That's what Jesus speaks, because it's such a big issue for most of us, Jesus just never stopped talking about it. But the second principle is this, is that handling money right is one of the greatest keys to the blessing of God, to the favor of God in our lives. So let's go to Luke chapter 10, uh, Luke 16, 10 and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What are true riches? True riches are spiritual blessing. It's the presence of God. It's the peace of God. It's victory in difficult situations. It's fulfilling God's plan and will and call upon your life. It's joy. It's all, the, all of those things, all the spiritual blessings that all of us long for, we, we want, and we crave, and we desire. But the spiritual blessing comes on the basis of that we handle our finances correctly. Because God says, if I can't trust you with this, I can't trust you with my anointing, with my power, with my favor, with my blessings, with a person whose prayers are going to be answered. I cannot trust you. That's what the Bible says. So we've got to get this area sorted, friends. It is so, so very important. And as I said, it's why Jesus spoke about it so, so many times. And the context here is being faithful with little, like being faithful with one dollar. This is the context of being faithful in a little amount of money. And uh, when we're not faithful with one dollar, it limits the blessing of God on our lives. There was a young man who was uh, doing very well in his job, and they decided they'd give him a, a great promotion and a salary increase. Well, before he was informed about it, he was in a cafe, the office cafe, buying some food. And as he was buying this, some food, he had some bread on his plate, and under the, under the bread, he just put one of those, you know, those little containers of uh, butter you get, so small, probably worth what, 20 cents, 50 cents. He put it under the bread. Then he went to the counter. When he paid for everything, he didn't pay for the butter. Unfortunately for him, the president of the company was in the line about five or six people back, and he saw what this young man did. And immediately, his promotion and salary increase was canceled because the president said, if I can't trust him with 50 cents worth of butter, I can't trust him with $100, $1,000, $50,000. I simply cannot trust him. And so the whole thing was canceled. Folks, it's the it's 50 cents that counts. It's the 50 cents that counts. We, we cannot, you know, I always say to people, don't jeopardize the blessing of God 
over a few dollars. Like, why would you do that? It's insane. <laughs> you know, maybe over $100,000 you might dip it either. I wouldn't do that either, but over a few dollars. You rip off the social wealth. You don't pay all your taxes. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like shooting yourself in your feet with, both, with two guns uh, because it just goes against you. So Jesus saw money as something to guard against, not desire. Because mm-hmm. he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a challenge in a day when we have accumulated many goods. We have lots of possessions, don't we? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where is your treasure? See, we have houses, cars, clothes, other possessions that we really enjoy. How much do you treasure your treasures? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's a big challenge, isn't it? So we've got to guard the accumulation of goods because before we know it, our heart is a bit more in them than we realize. And we've got to just keep pulling it back. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Jesus portrayed money as a negative spiritual force, a God he called mammon. Mm. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You can't love this stuff too much and serve God as he wants you to. It is a challenge for you and for me. So Jesus challenges us to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to break the hold of money over our lives, even to the extent of maybe giving it away. It's what he said to the rich young ruler. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? Like you think, give it all away. We can't do that. I think Jesus is just telling us that there's so much power in this thing that if if it's got that kind of a hold, hold on you, kind of get rid of it. Get rid of it. Why? To set yourself free. To bring yourself into a place of liberty and of freedom. So true, you know, true financial freedom is not having enough money or having plenty of it. That's not financial freedom. <laughs> plenty of people who've got enough money and who've got lots of money and is totally bound by money. In total bondage to money. See, financial freedom, which I'm talking about today, is being free from the love of money, the free from the desire of always wanting more money. So it doesn't have a grip. That's financial freedom. Financial, most people think financial freedom, oh, I've got enough money to do everything I want. That's not financial freedom. I mean, it's good to have that if you can, but it's not mean you're free of the love of money. So there's a book written by Jacques Ellul on money, and he has some shocking suggestions And he said this, we must find ways to demagnetize its spiritual force. Even if it means handing wads of bills to strangers or throwing them into the air in a busy street and just getting rid of it. How many of you have ever done that? Some of you probably need to do it. It breaks the power of this thing. It breaks the power of this thing, friends. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to somehow find out what is it going to take. You know, when, when offerings come and special offerings come, how hard do you find to put something in there? Is it like, oh, really? Oh, you know, grumble away? Or, or is it with the joy, with the delight? Yeah, yeah, here's a few dollars, whatever it might be. That gives you an idea of whether this thing has too much of a hold on us. 
Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, money often costs too much. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) What will people do to get a few more dollars? Oh my goodness. It's, It's tragic, really. It's said in that 1923, seven of the world's most successful men met in a hotel in Chicago. President of the largest independent steel company, president of the largest utility company, the greatest wheat speculator, the president of New York Exchange, a member of the president's cabinet, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, and the president of the world's greatest monopoly. Collectively, they controlled more money than the US Treasury. These are rich men. Let's fast forward 25 years. Charles Schwab, the president of the largest independent steel company, lived his last five years on borrowed money and died a pauper. Arthur Cougar, the greatest wheat speculator, shot himself. Richard Whitney, the president of New York Stock Exchange, spent three years in prison. Albert Fall, a member of the president's cabinet, went to prison for bribery. Leon Fraser, president of the US Bank of International Settlements, shot himself. And Ivan Kruger, head of one of the world's largest monopolies, committed suicide. Benjamin Franklin put it this way, money never made a man happy, yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. Money, friends, is overrated. (laughs) Deal with the love of it. Whatever it takes, be free of the love of money. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Just seek God. Seek him first. And let him take care of everything else in your life. Just put God first. God first. Every area of your life. And particularly with this thing. (laughs) You know, you want to get to a place one day where you hold this thing of yours and say, God, this is yours. It's yours. I surrender this to you. I will use it however you want me to use it. God, this is not mine. You know, all your money that you've got is only borrowed money because it actually belongs to God. Everything you've got, because God's the source of all things, is that right? Isn't it staggering that he only asked for 10% back? I just can't believe it. Like, God, why don't you go for 20 or 30 or 50? Well, actually, he wants all of it, but... The tithe is just 10%. I mean, it's kind of like the minimum. And you get to keep the 90%. I mean, what kind of a deal is that? If all the money was mine, guess what? I'd give you 10% and I'd keep the 90%. But God's so generous, he does the opposite. I think it's all a test, to be honest, to see what we're going to do with the money that we have. Now, the greatest area to give generously to is a no-brainer. You give to the greatest cause on the planet. The greatest cause on the planet is reaching people for Christ. It's giving to mission. In campuses, this is what our faith promise is all about. Giving to the mission, the local mission, community outreach, city outreach, across the nation into the nations of the world. And, uh, you know, our enemy always wants to distract us away from what we should really be doing. He's, He's a master of distraction. And uh, what is, if the question is, what is the main thing for the church? And what's the main thing for your life? Because you are the church. 
Would you agree that the main thing is to reach lost people and make disciples? Would, would, are we agreed on that? Is that, that the purpose, or is it God just bless me <laughs> and give me more money? <laughs> no, no. It's to reach a lost world for yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That is the burning heart of God. Yeah. And that needs to be our burning heart as well. Yeah. And I think we need to do everything in our power, everything we possibly can. Uh, we're talking this area today about money uh, towards the cause of reaching this world for Jesus. Yeah. And I can't ask you to, you know, I can't minimize the sacrifice I'd expect you to make because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his entire life for this thing. All he's asking us today is to let's just give some money towards reaching a lost world for Christ and the evangelization of our broken nation. Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nation. Then the end will come. And this is what is most important to Jesus. You know, it made no sense, the widow, that, you know that widow put that little bit of money in the, in the offering? It was the last amount of money that she had. It did, wouldn't you agree it just... That just makes no sense. Why would she do it? Especially to a broken system there in Jerusalem. And yet she gave her very less. And Jesus said she gave more than all these other people who had plenty of money. So it's not how much you give. It's the heart and the sacrifice with which you give. It's a big world of difference. You know, Some people say it's not how much you give. It's how much you have left over when you've given. Mm-hmm. I don't like that thought. But anyway, we'll move on from there. You see... What we see is money is best used when we give it away. Pastor Gordon Cosby tells of a widow whose income was barely enough to feed and clothe herself and her five children. But every week, faithfully, she put $4 into the offering. The deacon said to the pastor, why don't you talk to this poor lady and tell her to put her money towards caring for her family? I mean, that's pretty logical kind of thinking, isn't it? So Cosby went and spoke to her to the widow, and she responded with great sadness. And she said this, you're trying to take away the last thing that gives me dignity and meaning. She had learned a key to giving, which is this. The main benefit of giving is its effect on the giver. The main benefit of giving is the effect on the giver. Yes, people in New Zealand and lost people in the nations of the world and Africa and India, yeah, they need our financial help. But my need and your need to give is every bit as desperate as their need to receive. Your need to give is desperate for your own well-being, for the the health of your soul is why we give. It, 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 It blesses us more. Isn't that the words of Jesus himself? Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. (coughs) So why do we keep holding on when it's more blessed to give than to receive? So I want you to get that into your spirit today, that you're giving, when you give to mission, when you give to whatever, uh, it's doing you more good than even the cause that you're giving it to. You might be rescuing a person in poverty, and that's great, that's fantastic to do, but at the same time, you're rescuing yourself. You're setting yourself free from one of the most challenging areas of our lives. Would you not agree that most of our world's problems come down to one thing, the love of money? 
People want more. They want more land. They want they more possessions. Whatever it is, money is so often, and you look at most governments now across the known world, not all of them, but corruption is absolutely rife. And so often the problem is money because most people can't handle too much money. It just, it just gets to them, and then they go into corruption and all the rest of it. <clears throat> Here's a quote for you. Sacrificial giving opens my heart, frees me from greed, changes my perspective, enlarges my capacity, enlarges my territory, increases my faith, blesses others, breaks poverty, releases abundance, unlocks prosperity, speeds up answers, changes atmospheres. Wow, there's a lot in sacrificial giving that will do you so much good. You know, by teaching on giving today, and faith promises, I'm doing you one of the greatest favors I could ever do because this will unlock heaven over your life. This will unlock the favor and the blessing of God over your life. And my encouragement to you is even if you're a generous giver, push it out a bit more. That's been my policy over the years. I, each year, I just try and push it out a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And it's amazing how over 10 years, you've really, wow, you can't, gosh, am I giving that much now? You can do it. It's developing the giving muscle. Develop the giving muscle. Yeah, it's a spiritual muscle. It really is. It's a spiritual bicep. How strong is your giving muscle? How strong is my giving muscle? Well, how how are you going to develop that giving muscle? Well, give, (laughs) give, give. You know, every time you give, that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then God opens the heavens over your life more and more. Winston Churchill put it this way. We make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. Men trust good stewards with larger and larger sons. God is the same. He returns in proportion to our giving. So the measure you give is the measure God gives back to you. As found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So campuses from Kaitaia, Whangarei, City, Rotorua, if you're asleep, it's time to wake up. Because I want to illustrate how you reap according to how you sow. Okay, so watch this. I've got here a whole bucket of rice. All right, can you see this, campuses? So it depends on how you want to sow, how you want to give. So you can give, uh, there you go, generously by teaspoons. Can you all see this? There's a teaspoon here. All right, teaspoon. Give. There you go. Someone's going to have to clean that up. <laughs> and it's not going to be me. So, hey, that's great. You know, if, if you do that, then, then God's going to get his teaspoon and he says, Tark, there you go. Yeah, bless you, Tark. Bless you, buddy. That's what you want. That's what you'll get. Hey, it's up to you. Your choice. But you might have grown in faith. I'd probably call that the tithe. <laughs> You might have grown in faith and you say, oh, no, no, I, that miserable teaspooner. Hey, I'm by the cup full, man. Here we go, here we go. So you fill up a whole cup full and say, Jesus, mission, yeah, here we go. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> you with us, campuses? All right, we're not finished yet. So Jesus says, yeah, give me my cupfuls. Hey, tart, good boy. You can have a whole cupful. Look, it's even almost running over. Fantastic. 
That's probably tithes, missions, a bit more. But then you get a revelation. You think, well, God, if that's the deal, how can I get more? How can I get more? So you think for a while, you pray it through. So I've got to give more. So I've got to give more than the teaspoon. I've got to give more than the cupful. Okay, here we go. Here's the shovel. So now, now you're into big time sacrificial giving. This is when the heavens are going to open over your life. Is that right? Okay, so here we go. Here we go. Oh dear. God have mercy on the cleaner. Here we go. And when you give like that, folks, God fills that shovel up and he throws it straight back at you. God's word cannot lie. God's word cannot lie. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. It's a testimony of my life and of millions of people across the globe. Now, it may not happen in a week or two weeks or a month or a year or two years or five years, but it will happen. You just hold on to what God's word says and the promises of his word, and he will, in time, eventually, you'll reap the benefit of giving generously to God. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that one of the most loved scriptures in all of the Bible? Because we all have needs. But this promise is actually not for every believer. Sorry. Because Philippians 4.15 says, You Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving to mission and receiving but you only. And it's to that one church that gave to mission, Jesus said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's why this church has financial blessing on it because we give so much to mission. And if you want to, that verse three, don't claim that verse, folks, please, unless you give to mission because that's the context. Of it. We've got to preach in context. You know, people go around the world preaching this great verse and everyone's chapping, cheering, and all the rest of it. Friends, you can't preach the promises without the conditions. It's, it's a, it's, it's, you're deceiving people. That's all. It's just a deception. And we're not into deception in this place. That scripture, you research it for yourself. That promise is only made to those who give to mission. And God will keep his word. You know, as you give to mission, you're going to bless so many people in our community, in your street. You know, feeding kids in schools that we do, reaching out to the homeless making sure some of the poor are looked after. Your money is going to help promote unity in the body of Christ through New Zealand and beyond. It's going to help promote prayer across our nation through New Zealand and beyond. It supports the gospel reaching across the globe to over 100 nations through running with fire. This is the impact of the money you give. You'll never have any idea of how far a few dollars goes. In this church, when you give to this church, your few dollars circles the globe, friends. It circles the globe. 
reaching lost and broken and needy people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It circles your street and your community and your city and your region, and then it goes beyond the shores. Just those dollars that you, you have no idea, friends, what a few dollars will do for, for world uh, outreach, for world uh, evangelism. It's, it's one of the greatest, most wonderful, powerful investments you could ever make. And I would say unashamedly give as much as you possibly can. Make every possible sacrifice for the greatest cause on planet Earth to reach a lost world with the love of Jesus Christ. It doesn't get better than that. You can't give to anything more important than that. So I encourage you as much as I can. And you know, when you get to heaven, my God, when you get to heaven, people are gonna come running up to you they're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're going to say, but I don't even know who you are. They're going to say, yes, but you gave to mission. And as a result of your mission, a worker came into my region. I heard about Jesus for the first time in my life. And now I'm in heaven because of your giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No words can express how you're going to feel in that moment. Friends, when people from across the globe from people in Thailand and Cambodia and Uganda and Kenya and, and England and Holland and Britain and Ireland and, and um, uh, Vietnam and Brazil and Peru and Argentina and Venezuela and Canada and the United States, you name it, friends. And they come up to you and say, thank you. I've made it to heaven because of your faithful giving to mission." I, I don't, your heart's going to explode, friends. And one of us, one thing most of us are probably going to think is, man, I should have given a bit more. Yeah, that's right. This is the greatest cause on the planet, friends. And it's also going to set you free as you do that. Two years ago, my wife and I, this is not me, felt stirred to give to a faith promise, a testimony from this church. Each year, we'd given one, a one-off gift. We felt God say, add to our weekly giving a faith promise amount. So every week they'd give their tithes and then a faith promise amount, which is a great thing to do. You just cut it up into 52 weeks, I guess. They said it was a big step of faith because things were already very lean. Said for the first three months, it felt a real sacrifice. Man, it was hard to keep to the promise that they had made. So they began to Think of ways, areas where they could cut back. And friends, there's no harm in cutting back in some areas. They thought of how can we change our spending habits so we can give more to mission? That's what I want to get across here, friends. What can you cut back? What, what priorities can you change? That, that thing that you were going to upgrade, why not leave it for a year or two? You know, do you really need that thing you're about to buy? I mean, is it, is, it, is it that important? Or is it just another? Well, yeah, treasure is your heart's going to be also. Be careful of accumulating treasure, friends, on earth. Be real careful because your heart's going to go there for sure. And this is what they were doing. They were cutting back in areas, changing their priorities. Then they said job opportunities came up at work, which they applied for and he got 
We get to pray every week for our finances, declaring God's word as well. It's a good thing to do. After the first year, they saw God faithfully provide for every need. So God came through in this faith promise that they made. It was amazing. They said they'd grown in faith, so the next year they increased their faith promise. That, that's what I want to encourage you to do, friends. Just, just push it up each year. Push it up each year, proportion to what you, can, what you can do or what your faith can stretch it out. They said, now our finances, listen to this, are in a better place. And my salary has increased by $40,000. We know this was only God. It pays to trust him in all things. Isn't that amazing? It's a journey of faith, friends. So why don't you across campuses right now grab a hold of your faith promise form. We'll collect these today, and if you want to go and pray about it and bring it next week, uh, that's fine as well. But it's very simple. We've got all the details of what you give up at the top there, uh, you know, to the community, to national needs, to international needs. It's, you know, the food bank, the homeless, um, the high school work, underprivileged, Bible in schools, community outreaches. Then there's the national, then there's the international there. So the first part of it is this, my commitment each month. This is what you give out of your known income, all right? So the first part, known income. So, you know, what you can afford to give um, each week. Well, there's two parts from your known income. Uh, you put that in there, it might be $10 a week, $20 a week, $50, I don't know what it might be, or per month. Sorry, we've got it per month there. What you can give from your known income per month. Write that down. And, uh, you know, you do that by saying, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip two coffees every week. <laughs> That's $10. That's $40 to mission per month. Is there anyone who can't do that? If you need a pen, ushers have got pens there. Just wave, give us a wave, and they'll give you your pen right now. Remember, this is, doing this is more for your good than for the mission it's going towards. It's going to set you free. It's going to release you from the bondage of money, and it's going to open the heavens over your life. All across campuses, you want to keep doing this, uh, that would be great, awesome. And then the second part is uh, by faith. This is the second part by faith. There's nothing to do with the money you have, all right? You say, God, I, I can believe that somehow you're going to pass $200 through my hands or $500 through my hands, and I'll give it to mission. Or, God, I can believe for $2,000 through my hands. Or I can believe for $10,000 through my hands. You might say, that's pretty big. There's people who can do that in this church, folks. There's never limit what God can do. And so, um, fill in what you can do by faith per month, and then you put the total together, write it down, the, uh, record it at the bottom there, which is uh, your personal record that you can take home. For you to take home, and yet the top part you hand into the church office, or we'll collect it in just a few minutes' time. Okay, campuses, I'm gonna let you go now. Thank you so much for joining us. If there's someone who can come down and clean up the rice, we'd really appreciate that. <laughs> Otherwise, God bless you, and campus pastors, take it from here. All right.